Newly stocked on the shelves is box number 512 with your hosts, Aeon and the Lioness, Black Trans Women, and Excellent and Defying All Life Expectations. The show begins now. Thank you for tuning in to box number 512 podcast, Black Grown Trans Woman Talk. My name is Samaya, AKA the Lioness, and I'm here with my illustrious co-host. Hey y'all, I'm Aeon. And today we're gonna talk about a myriad of different topics, but before we get into all that, we would love it if you guys would take the opportunity to like, follow, subscribe, and share. Follow us on all our social media platforms, and also stay tuned for our Friday live after show. But anyway, sis, what's the tea, girl? How you feeling? Um, you know, just just to be honest, this Father's Day just passed this weekend, and Father's Day is a really um, hard day for me. It's a hard holiday for me because I don't have a relationship with my father. I've never had a relationship with my father, so um, this weekend it was just really. Um, hard and that day and also a confluence of other things um has made me have a couple of mental health issues Mm -hmm. um so now i'm in the process of trying to uh get a mental health plan which means um finding a new therapist um just because it's been tough it's been really tough and also in addition to that I've been isolated here in Chicago. Mm. Um, I'm in the process of moving to DC, but it's it's just really been hard um, being here. And I don't want to say I'm by myself because I do have some friends here, but as far as like my support system, most of that is back east, um, along the up and down the eastern seaboard. So it's just you know it's just been really hard for me and with all the deaths you know being a black trans woman like you know some days I feel really strong and I feel powerful but then other days like when you look on social media and you see I don't know I just always get this feeling of while I've done a lot or I do a lot that I'm always behind or I'm always like trying to catch up, especially when I see like my peers from high school, like my cis counterparts that are married and have children and are finding love. And it's just, um, it's just hard. It's hard for me to be in that position because of who I am and what I represent. And, you know, I, I feel like I'm missing out. And unfortunately, that impacts like my self-esteem and my mood and my mental health. And it's, you know, when we li- like when we live this, these lives, like we sometimes we really pay the price because while we want the world to change, mm-hmm. you know, the world hasn't changed yet. And um, you know, some of us get left behind. So I'm, I'm really in a place of transition where I'm trying, I'm just, I'm just, you know, reaching out and I'm just trying to um, find somebody to really talk things out with just so I can ease some of the pressure. Cause it's hard, it's hard being single and it's, you know, hard trying to make everything happen. And sometimes I get overwhelmed um, and some, you know, and I've been through like a lot of traumatic, traumatic things. 
And I, you know, I'm just really trying to um, be the best, and um, so I can, you know, so I can just, I just want to feel balanced. So, but yeah, this weekend was really um, hard for me seeing everybody able to, you know, share stories about their father and stuff like that, and knowing that I've never been able to celebrate a Father's Day, and you know, it's. I would want to if I had the opportunity, but you know, just the way the the chips have fallen, you know, that's not my story. You know, I still have to deal with that. So, mm. but on a brighter note, I am trying to um, just utilize different tools just so I can cope with that better and deal with that better. Um, also, shout out to Nala Simone. Um, I you know I was able to reach out to her, and um, mm-hmm. she was able to connect me with resources and just whole space for me and I um, really appreciate her because when I reached out to her I was a mess but um, I appreciate her for being able to do what she did um, yeah it, it's a pro- it's a process it's a process but I'm so I'm sorry to make it heavy but you know you know this is this is the real like this, yes. you know, this is my real life um, but well, so how was your weekend you know what I will say um this has been one of the best weekends that I've had in a very long time because I was able to finally get out of this damn house and go somewhere. Um, my husband took me to Galveston, Texas, which is the birthplace of Juneteenth because it was in Galveston, Texas that the Freedom Papers were finally read to the slaves that didn't know they were free for two years. And so that to me is celebrating the actual day that, cause July 4th is not fucking Independence Day. The real Independence Day to not me- Not for us, bitch. Not for us, exactly. Our, our Independence Day is actually June um and so i will i'm glad that it's getting light now i'm really surprised at how many black people didn't know about it but anyway we went there for um to galveston and it was cute or whatever we really didn't um participate in a lot of festivities i didn't even go inside a building except for a gas station the entire trip um and that's just because we were trying to social distance and we were all just out and about we went to houston a couple times um, Houston is a beautiful city, but that traffic and that smog, Miss Thing, it gave me very LATs. Um, just like just the just the sit still of the traffic, you know. Um, but it's a chocolate city. I, I, while we were there, we witnessed, um, and this is not just because it's a chocolate city, but it just so happened here, and I witnessed a car break in at the car next to ours. What? And while we were sitting in our car, a man bust in the car on the other side of us. Oh, <laughs> you know, some things never change, honey, even, yeah. even during the pandemic, but work. Right, and not even, not to mention, not to mention, um, when, um, when we got back to where we were, we observed, like, just, like, the, just, like, so what, what was interesting about Texas is, is I never, I mean, I knew in theory, I've been to Texas several times, and I know that there are chocolate cities in Texas, but I don't think people are aware just how much of black how many black people are in texas and i feel like that just is very telling to me that for so long they didn't even know they were free when it's so many black people there mm-hmm. so it's it gets very um um you know very mississippi tea as far as like you seeing a lot of black people but not necessarily seeing a lot of black people in power you know Mm. Um, but the ride there was beautiful. The ride back was beautiful. And how long was it? Um, it was twelve hours. 
Okay. Yeah, so that's not cute. I mean, that's not bad. It's cute. It's not, it's like, that's, I do realize that's the limit, though, for me. Like, any longer than that, and I'm tearing my hair out. That's about how long it takes to drive from um, Baltimore to Atlanta. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I've done that before, too. Yeah, it's about the same. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not, it's no tea. I didn't have no complaints. Um, It was a beautiful time. Now, um, I'm sorry, though, to hear about your mental health issues, sis, but I will say this. I'm grateful for your, I have gratitude that you chose to share that on our platform. I know we've discussed it, but I admire the bravery of you sharing it on our platform because we are a community that we talk a lot about the trauma of, you know, some of the systemic things that we deal with. We talk about the trauma of living in a world where you feel unsafe, but I think it's also important to, um, for us to just talk about just the trauma of existing in a world where you're different and unique and also not us, not necessarily as black people, us not necessarily having the strongest family support networks. So um, I, I, I empathize with um, you dealing with mental health issues because I have as well. And I'm glad that you're modeling on this podcast that it's important to get help. Yeah. It, yeah. I like, you know, I just, I just want to, I just want to be real, like, you know, a bitch is struggling, a bitch is, you know, a bitch is struggling, but, you know, I don't, you know, I don't want to suffer inside, and that's, like, one trick of dealing with mental illness is, like, you think you're alone, you think nobody loves you, you think you're the only one going through the situation, and, you know, which I've learned through different situations that that's not the case, but, um, you know, it's, it's hard, it's hard, and I don't, I, I don't I don't want to be that person that sits and lies to people like, oh, like it's great, you go to law school and you know everything is peaches and cream and you know everybody's gonna accept you and everybody's gonna love you and open it. No, no. And in fact, it gets hard. So I just want to, you know, utilize tools so that when it does get harder, like I just wanna I just I just want to I'm always constantly working to be, you know, the best version of myself. Um, and, you know, I don't feel weak. I just feel like I'm a human having, like, a human experience. And um, I want to, I don't know how she passed, but I just got the unfortunate news that um, one of the community folks here, Kimmy Elliott, T.S. Kimmy, Kimmy Elliott, mm-hmm. um, she's an Atlanta native. She's an Atlanta girl. And I um, just um, heard of her passing. And so I just want to I'm not sure the details of that yet, so I don't want to give misinformation, but right. shout out to her in this moment. Um, I feel like mental health is something that we need to talk about, but particularly as we keep being affected by losing people. Yeah. Um, we, it, it, it's deep, and I want everyone under the sound of our voices now that are listening to this to understand that all of the things that you laugh at us about, all of the things that you find funny about our lives, all of the things that you think are key and that are are interesting all of those things pile up and yes it may not bother me that to see one person calling somebody a name out of their name or dead naming one of my sisters or whatever but when it adds up it makes you feel worthless and it makes you feel hopeless and you often wonder what is my value in life if it's just to battle and you know, her death just brings it back home to me that tomorrow is not promised, particularly for us, because this young lady was under 30. And 
it also just puts into perspective too, like we have to remember that while we're here, we have to love on each other and we have to speak the truth that all of that little shit that y'all think is cute, that's funny, the memes, the jokes, the games, you're negatively impacting someone's mental health. And even if you're not pulling out a gun, even if you're not going out and, and, and hunting down the girls, you're hunting down our spirits, you're attacking our soul, you're attacking our dignities and our legacies by the hatred that you're allowing to manifest in your own ecosystem. And I just want to just put into the space now that I wish that what my sister was saying was something that I hadn't heard before. I wish that I had not experienced it myself, but we all, our community in particular, are very, very susceptible and vulnerable to dealing with mental health issues, dealing with feelings of depression, dealing with feelings of worthlessness, dealing with feelings of anxiety. All of these things are more prevalent in our community than we're willing to admit because we wanna seem like strong people. And that's why, Brianna, I just pointed out just now that you, I'm grateful for you sharing that because we're such strong people. And I feel like this is a time for all these supposed allies. Check on your strong friends. Instead of hitting up your trans friend when she comes online and says something you like to hear and saying, ooh, yes, I live, that inspired me. And then hanging up the phone and that's that. Check on your, check on your trans friends, check on your strong friends on a regular and consistent basis. So that then we don't feel like we're alone out there because we know that we're not dealing with issues that just us deal with. But it seems like black people in general have, dis have like disinherited us from the ability to feel supported from them. And I just want to put that out there. I don't know how this young lady got killed, but her death really just really fucked me up just now because she's a local girl. So I'm and not that any other one would be different, but it is when feels like even in around the corner from my house, I may not be safe. So just let's just keep everybody in prayer. So let's transition into our icebreaker. Yes, bitch, because that's where I was going to go anyway. I'm so sorry. Um, so our icebreaker is for today. Beautifully, I think we as a community have the ability to appreciate music. And I feel like music is healing, music is changed. And a lot of music, a lot of good music came out of the 60s and the 70s and the civil rights movement of the past. And so um, the icebreaker for today is, Brianna, what is your favorite, I'll even extend it to 60s, 70s, Black Power Anthem? Like, what is your favorite Black Power Anthem? I know that may sound difficult, but like, what, which, what, if you could pick one out that would apply today that you would play now to, you know, make yourself feel better or to empower a situation, what would it be and why? Um, I actually have two songs. You know, you know me, I have to make everything more complicated. No, bitch, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> um, so my first song is um, "Gonna Make Changes" by Phyllis Hyman. Mm. Um, I just like I just think it's a good song, and it's a, and it's one of those songs that when you first listen to it, you don't get black empowerment, but like the more you listen to it, like it's just like, bitch, you just feel inspired. Like, bitch, I like I'm gonna make changes too, and I just. I just live for the I love for the song. Phila Hyman is one of my favorite singers. Um, my next song is All for One by uh Diana Ross off uh -uh. the off the boss album. It, it's just a fab song. It's just like 
it's just a it's just a that album was that whole album was bad, but that song is just when I first heard it, and I heard that song as an adult, I was just like, this song just feels like a um it feels like an activist, like it feels like an activist um encouragement song. Like, you know, we're all in this together. Like, you know, we are all looking out for each other. I, I don't know. I just really live for the, that song. So those two songs would have to be it for me. Right. We will play those songs on this podcast, but I don't want any copyright. Okay. Um, yeah, so <laughs> if, you're, if you're that interested, we encourage you to listen on YouTube like I do. Right, right. Um, for, for me, um, my two songs, because like, I'm going to do two now too, bitch. <laughs> um, one of them is Lean On Me by Bill Withers. Oh, that's cute. <clears throat> yeah, I really live for that song because... As a child, it gave me the concept that we are not in a world by ourselves. And that if we, if my sister has a problem, then it's my problem. And that we have to lean on each other if we're going to get through adversity. And then um, the second one is, it's from the 60s, it's five years earlier. So um, it's Mississippi um, Hot Damn with, by Nina Simone. Mm. Mississippi Goddamn. I, I, that song... Um, as a child, I couldn't appreciate Nina Simone's voice to be real, but as I got older, because it, it was haunting to me as a child, but as I got older, um, hearing that, hearing those songs and me hearing that anger in that song, it's just, it's like, that is the energy right now that I feel like we're all having. And just to have a songwriter encapsulate just that rage of like, you really just gonna like, God damn, like for real, you know? So right, uh, that was what's up. So those are my two. Oh, bitch, you know what other song, just, what? For, just for the um, um, honorable mentions, but the song also kind of burns me down into me. Um, Someday We'll All Be Free by Donny Hathaway. Oh, girl, that tears me down. Like, it's a great song, but, like, it's just so heavy. But it's so beautiful at the same time. That gives me, yeah, that, that song is beautiful, but I think of really beautiful, really beautiful memorial tees. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, when you want to steal the crowd to feel, like, the pain of us not being free and that longing and yearning for a world that may not be existing in our lifetime, you know? Right. It's just like, ugh, that's just so disheartening to hear, but that's a great song and it's a beautiful music. Donnie Hathaway, everything I love. Right. No, that that's a that's a great song, but I don't encourage the girls to listen to that too many times, honey, because um, it'll, t- it'll take you right on up out of here. Um, <laughs> some songs have a little bit of sadness built in that you may if you're not trigger warning bitch if you're not a, if you're a sensitive population you need to that may not be your jam for right, right. if if you want to listen to it just for the 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 note arrangement listen to the watered down version by alicia keys i promise you <laughs> it won't it won't make you upset well it'll it'll make you want to um turn off the the audio but it won't make Speaking of minor, because I don't want to use my platform to attack black women, but I feel like we could be real. What do you feel about the Alicia Keys, John Legend, 
uh, what you call it. Um, well, girl, I felt I felt nothing because I did not watch you, and it's no shade. <laughs> I was I all, watched I, it, and I was, and I was, I since you were a thousand percent right. Yeah, <laughs> I was already fucking de- uh, on a depressive episode, girl. We didn't need to add nothing else. Mm-mm. I will say at least John Legend knew when to drag perform over the music and just lip along. Alicia was trying to sing along with herself live on a piano along with a track. And we all know that Alicia Keys suffers from I sing flat syndrome. So she was never quite hitting any of her own notes. And then I don't know what's going on, but I, I, that was a really, really, and she was so crunk too. You would have thought she was really turning it. And, um, I already told y'all when they announced this that I was not girl. I was I didn't want no parts of it, and it's no shade. I knew John Legend. I love him, but he is really like slacking with the singing. He gave Barry Barry Manilow tease when he did sing. Yeah, I just don't like. I just don't enjoy John. Like I like him as a person. I just don't enjoy his music. Like his music has never. Um, that I liked him when he plays piano on other people's songs, but I just and Alicia Keys like her music just like the first two albums classics. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of give it to As I Am. I'm gonna be honest, I didn't purchase As I Am, but I did um, listen to some of the singles. Yeah, I did yeah, some of the sing- the singles were on point, but Alicia Keys like she like she. I don't know, like I, like I wanna like her, but she, I just don't like people that just. It's like, girl, just make a hit. Like, don't like you don't have, like. I don't like when people like overthink it or whatever. Like, just get give me a hit. Like, give me or, a hit. Or like, I feel like Alicia's a great songwriter and a great performer. You don't have to sing all of those hits, girl. Right. Like, like you're, you're at not that a point. vocalist like that where you where you're like, oh, we have to hear you. You're not like no one's must see listen TV, bitch. Right. So why is it that you some of them songs are really, really beautiful and then she'll come in with the New York you're like, all right, girl. It's like <laughs> girl, this song you did not have to make you didn't have to put this on the tail end of this other song that's in a different tempo, a different beat. <laughs> it's like girl, we get it. That that song was a hit, girl. We didn't have to like. Uh, she just like I want. I really be wanting her to win, but like her stuff is boring. It's boring and there's a part of me that knows full well that, that now, and I don't usually like to do that to people because I don't feel like. But I don't think she's. I feel like she's suffered from like no shade. Clive Davis pushed her forward, and I feel like. She's coasting on a privilege. I won't. I won't say which one it is. Oh, bitch, say it, girl. This is wrong. Black trans in the talk, girl. Say it. She has. She is light skin privileged down to me, and and it's her proximity. It's the fact that she feel. It's the fact that people look at her and they see like, wow, like the way they go up and up and up for her beauty is if that she's the most beautiful black woman they've ever seen. Don't get me wrong, she is, but I feel like she can do the least. And get the most still attention and respect and dudes going up for her. Let a black woman say, I, let a dark skinned woman say, I'm not wearing makeup. I'm kind of <laughs> flat sometimes. And I'm going to reinterpret every song that I sing every time I sing it because I don't know how to sing it like the track. Like, or if I do try to sing it like the track, bitch, you're just going to have to forgive those notes. But I'm still going to get the standing O because I'm Alicia. I can come out in my headscarf. Let somebody else try that. Like, it's just, 
I respect No shit. She make music for like for white soccer moms, bitch. Like her last couple of albums, girl. That's what her songs did for me. It's like white soccer mom music. Well, like, I, I don't I can't attest to that. I don't know what her newest stuff is, but is 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 very much like we all we all have vaginas and we're we're <laughs> working hard and we're we're, we're powerful and um, warrior women. It's just like, girl, like, girl, get like, give us like, it's not that hard, and you can do it. Like, you literally have access. Like, all she has to do is like, do what the do what the greats used to do back in the eighties and the nineties. Like, once you get to that certain I'm that bitch point, you can uh, contract one of the young bitches to come. And write you to do to produce your whole album, bitch. All you gotta do is sing and play the piano from time to time. Um, I also want to give a shout out to Swiss Beats first baby mama. Um Mashonda. Yes, Mashonda. I there's a part of me that stands with Mashonda and always will. Um, I am the wife, and so there's always gonna be a part of me that's like, sis, I don't give a fuck how you try to spin this black love. It came at the expense of someone else's relationship. And you're not even the best stepmom because last we heard last year, 2019, bitch, um, you were allowing, you were forcing, you were trying to get this girl, um, get Swiss Beats um, out other children to call you mama or Omi or some version of mama. And you were also trying to um, like allow her to have electronic devices that her mom wouldn't let her have. So that you could have access and watch what she's using. She's on a plant. Like I, I just there's still to me with Alicia just that that little air, that little residue of like, girl, I see you. And like I respect your music, but girl, don't act like it's all a wash miss thing just because you have great connections. Like, bitch, I see you. And as a black woman, I want I, you have to atone. And part of that is you admitting that you fucked up. Like the idea is very much, you know, it just it just happened that way. There was a transition. It's like, no, that woman was pregnant last I heard. So, what's the tea? You know Alicia's never going to admit to that. <laughs> like, of course not, because that would ruin her squeaky clean image crafted by Clyde Davis. Mm. Right. No, she, she, she's never going to do it. But yeah, I was not here for that versus I'm sure it was quite lovely. But like I said, I was already in a place. Her. I didn't need to go to that place, bitch. Like, and I just want to also um, give a shout out to Chrissy Teigen. Um, love her. Love her down. Love her down. Um, but her husband, I want to just say, Chrissy is a rider because from what I saw in them skinny jeans, girl, I was just like, okay. 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 And that's all I'm going to say. But I did. <laughs> I was like, okay. Okay. Like, I don't understand he, how he got sexiest man of the year. I don't understand none of that shit. But more power to him and shout out to her because I feel like she is what keep makes him relevant. And so right. that's why I shout out to Chrissy. Right. No, you, you know, I'll give John, I'll give John his rose. John is very like, I feel like some white people know who John is, John Legend oh, is. Oh, a lot, whole, he, lot of white people know him. That's right. So he's very, like, you know, no shade. Him and Alicia are definitely on the same playing field and like, he, He's 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 well rounded with what he does. It just doesn't speak to me, my ear. And but I it, like know. his music. I'm I'm actually the opposite of you. Mm -hmm. I like his music and I love 
Um, I love. I remember for the I like his old. <laughs> I like his older. Did you buy the new album, bitch? Did you pre-order I, I, it? Not only am I not pre-ordering it, <laughs> um, but he has classics like those first two. I have whole ice water right here for you. Drink this, not that. I'm sorry, my 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 dog is insisting on drinking. Um, <laughs> dirty pool, dirty kitty pool water from when it rained. Mm. Because and, animals. <laughs> right. And it's like a whole ice water bucket right by it. And she's just like, I prefer to drink the mosquito water. Thank you. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, um, I, 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 yeah, I, I, that versus battle was hilarious. Now, this would transition us into our next topic. Speaking of things that have been gaslit, bitch. So um, we wanted to talk a little bit about how, like, in this time we're in right now or whatever, you know, there are a lot of different, like, things that we're dealing with. And all of it is not, like, yes, we're being murdered. Yes, um, you know, we're the girls are dying. Yes, we have a lot of other issues. But a lot of what we have now is this, like, passive-aggressive approach to handling us. It's, like, very patronizing. It's very exploitive. It's very, tell me your tales so that then I can know more about what's going on with you with no intent on doing anything forward. And I might even be asking you to tell me something that I'm not even ready to hear. I'm already in my mind making up that what you're about to say is crazy. So, um, sis, I know when we were talking about this topic, um, we talked, we wanted to talk about, um, how there are different new terminologies and definitions. And I know you brought in the concept of gas lighting. Um, I have a definition here, but before I get into that, what was your thought when you came up with this topic today? Uh, well, these, this topic is really centered around um, specifically the story of uh, whatever company that owns the Aunt Germana brand, now they're changing. Mm. Uh, now, because of the time we're in, every, all of these corporate businesses want to be pro-black and they want to be on the right side of history. Now um, they they're they're planning on retiring the Aunt Jemima um, symbol logo um, brand because it, because it's rooted in racism and racist tropes and stereotypes, particularly the Aunt Ma- the Mammy stereotype that's associated um, with black women. Also, Uncle I believe Uncle Ben's is going to be retiring there. Um, logo because Uncle Ben is um, also associated in racist um, stereotypes um, of Black folks being servants and butlers, which I I didn't even I didn't even know that that's how that character originated, but I'm not surprised because America. Um, but I wanted to I wanted to bring this up and tie gaslighting and feeling the term the concepts of gaslighting and sea lining into it because I feel like while yes on the surface this is a good move I think it's very performative and also I don't think this is the first like those brands have been around for like at least over a hundred years so I don't think this is the first time that somebody has brought up the issue that hey 
these things are racist or they're rooted in racism and maybe we should try to change them. And I know because of America that it was probably somebody of color that brought them up, but because of the corporate structure and racism in the corporate structure, I'm pretty sure that they were gaslit when they tried. It was probably somebody black to try to bring it up and they were probably gaslit and or reprimanded. And to me, doing this gesture of like removing the logos and ceasing to use the logos, that doesn't go far enough for me. I need you to then go back and, you know, atone for mm-hmm. what you did and how you made your black coworkers feel. Because I, I I know this is not the first, I just, me just being black in America, I know this is not the first time. And I know you probably, because you have this power and you have the privilege to not care because it doesn't impact you, mm. you probably you probably really made it hard for this person. But- um, And I, I'm gonna give, get you if you don't mind. Um, so I found an article, and for those of you who are wanna be the Google Nistas, um, I found an article and this is a new, an, an empirical article from Psychology Today. And um, I just want to read, because they have a very good definition, I think, of what my sister's talking about as far as the word gaslighting. Um, Gaslighting is a tactic in which a person or entity, in order to gain more power, makes a victim, a victim question their reality. It works much better than you think. And it's based on the way, way we get that term is because there was a 1944 movie in which a man... Has a, they have a gaslight in their home and he wants this woman to believe that she is crazy. And he wants to try to like pathologize her and make her question her reality because he's ultimately trying to fuck with her mentality because he wants to have gain power over her. And so what he begins to do is he sets the gaslight up in their house so that it flickers and it moves and it moves and it moves. So this woman begins to think, I have some type of mental illness because she says, do you see that light moving? And he goes, no, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't see what you're saying. We're living in this place together and I'm not experiencing what you're experiencing. Are you sure, babe? Do you think it could be this? Do you think it could be that? He took this woman for psychological therapy. He literally had her diagnosed and put on medications. And it was all because he wanted to manipulate this strong woman into questioning her own sanity and questioning herself. And so the man manipulates his wife to the point where she is losing her mind. And what struck me about the gaslighting and the definition given by um, psychology today is I feel like it's just such an accurate term to define what we're going through in these times where you have people of color, you have trans folks saying, this is happening. And then everybody around them is like, well, it's not happening to me. I've never seen it. I don't know anything. I don't see color. I don't know what y'all are talking about. If you're black, be black. Why y'all talking about that trans shit? Like, that don't, that don't, I don't understand when you were black first. Like, not realizing that I don't have the luxury of parsing it out. And by you minimizing my experience and telling me, gaslighting me, by telling me that the things that I'm saying aren't accurate. But on the flip side, that's the the interesting part about that story was on the flip side, he's making it seem like he's doing everything in his power to help his wife, taking her to get help, taking her to mental health counselors, taking her to places. And they're diagnosing this woman as crazy and giving her all kinds of hysteria claims when really he's fucking with this gaslight. He's fucking with this lantern. And so we, like what Brianna said, 
Um, we live in a world where, like, how many people before we agreed that Miss Buttersworth was racist pointed at that imagery and said it was racist and were told they were crazy? How many employees suggested that may have been fired from their job for suggesting that that piece of that piece of imagery was was racist or disrespectful? And now gaslighting is is now that we're in a situation where it's, where you feel like you're going to lose power. You're now saying, I stand with you, and we at Mrs. Butterworth stands for against oppression. It's like, no, the fuck you don't. No, the fuck you don't. Because nothing in your last 130 years of existing indicates that you gave a fuck until this civil rights movement right now is happening, and the world is turned on its ear. Now, all of a sudden, we stand with Black people. So I get it, sis, and I respect that you that you were able to, to call that out too, because I feel like that's everything. So I also have here really fast, a list of companies that have come forward. Fucking McDonald's, okay? And I say fucking McDonald's because I'm aware that McDonald's has actively tried to block minimum wage for its employees since they've existed, bitch. They have actively funded organizations that try to counter protest. They've actually lobbied for the minimum wage in the South to stay the same as it's been since I started working, okay? So it's interesting to hear that McDonald's is now in the invested. Also, you have Nike, you have Ben & Jerry's, you have... Um, well, Ben & Jerry's has always been here for the shit. They've always been here for the shit. Uh, that's just an example that's, uh, of a company that's coming out. And, and here's the thing. Some of these companies have actually done and they're actually trying to engage because they always have been with the shits. But what we're saying is, is that as a whole, you just saying, I, Black Lives Matter is not enough. If you cannot show that you are able to, that you are willing to make interior systemic long-term changes with a strategic plan designed to improve the lives of the black people that you say matter, you're not really, you're just talking shit. Bottom line. Right, because it's like, if you really had black people in positions of power, they get to make the decisions of what messaging and what branding and what imaging is going out a lot of these corporations wouldn't have to, wouldn't run into a lot of the situations that they run into when they promote racist ads or racist um, logo. Like it just shows. So if you put, if you these same companies, if you look at the top level of who's running stuff, you probably still won't see any black folks or people of color or people who are of color and queer. And even a year or two from now. Unless these co companies like are really committed to deep um, internal systemic change, we're going to be right in the same situation again. So you, so one, you shouldn't have this racist symbol, but also you shouldn't be engaging in racist practices in your business. And let's talk about. I read an article that the lady that came up that that is actually was the the Aunt Jemima was actually an employee of mm. the and is actually an employee of the company. She was, she started her own business. I want to tell her tale because this is very powerful. She started her own business and she had over 50 different recipes. I think, I think it was 50 different recipes that she had that were her personal recipes for not just the syrup, but for the pancakes. And um, Aunt Jemima was told 
that if she wanted to keep her job, because she was working for the, the bigger company, I think it was Quaker, I think Quaker, I don't want to call the wrong company name right now. But she was, um, let me just look it up real fast. But anyway, she was working for this company and she was told, if you want to keep your job, you know, we, we're going to take these recipes because you can't compete with us. And they took her business plan, took all of her recipes, and then made a multi-million dollar industry and gave her not one dime. She was allowed to continue to work every day until, her, until, she, was, until she retired in old age. And that was her... That was what she was given in return for her intellectual property was the ability to keep her job. And oh, so, so you were right. It's owned by Quaker Oats. Quaker Oats, yes. And what's interesting about this phenomenon, even deeper, is how the family the family is suing Quaker Oats now for um, uh, I want to say almost a, um, a few hundred million dollars because what they're trying to say is is that you built your whole business plan off of my ancestors' business, and this is how they found out. Quake, um, Quaker Oats, the owners of Aunt Jemima, wanted her, her descendant, her great-granddaughter, to pose in their new updated imagery. And they wanted her ass to, um, they wanted her, the daughter who looked like her to pose in the new updated 2020 industry um, 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 packaging so that they could call themselves updating the brand. And that, are you serious? Girl, that's how the family found out that their ancestor was the one that gave them the whole idea. That's how they found out. And then when the family went to go sue, they, the company then tried to deny and say, Aunt Jemima wasn't a real person. We don't know what y'all are talking about. But they went out of their way. <laughs> Gaslighting, bitch. Good Gas definition. Motherfucking lying. One 101. Oh, she wasn't real. Bitch. She wasn't real. We don't know what you're talking about. We, we, uh, now, mind you, they came to her. And the reason why she has a, a bona fide lawsuit is because they actually came to her explain the history of her ancestor to her and said we would love for you to participate in our new advertising and she was like wait what and ever since then they've been fighting and now and 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 they've been fighting even before the the image was taken down but they took the image down now and they're trying to tie it to we support black people but it's really we don't want to have to give this family no money gaslighting and this message will self-destruct in some seconds. In After 10 motherfucking seconds. Bitch, you know But But see, and this is the whole point. If y'all was really about it, if you were really about um, restoring the balance and redistributing fucking wealth, y'all would, would know that y'all have made billions and millions of dollars over generations it would be nothing to give this lady and her family money um, as reparations, but basically stealing her business from her for over 800 years ago. You you guys didn't you guys didn't um, give um, Jemima money to start her business to become a black female mogul. You stole from her because y'all are racist, and you standing up for stand up for the Black Lives Who business you stole from all those years ago. Don't stand up for it now and just do this empty gesture of well, we're just going to 
get rid of this logo and really we're doing this so we can act like this never existed so we can clean we can tarnish the stain on our on the quicker oats brand. where really you don't want to pay a settlement to this family so if you look online you'll see articles where you hear the aunt jemima family does not want to change the brand that's kind of a misnomer and it's inaccurate what they're not saying they don't want the brand to change the logo they're abandoning aunt jemima so that they can use the excuse that we have no profits to give them. right bitches always bitches always something with white supremacy it's never it's never what you think it is because they never they always trying to evade accountability they're always trying to evade atonement for the shit that they're doing so this little oh we're gonna um we're gonna change the mascot from aunt jemima to angela davis because she was pro-black and we want people to eat these pancakes to fit like bitch it's all it's all performative it's not it, real. It, and it's gaslighting for you to say, we're crazy because we see you. Because right now, what they would say is, well, actually, Aunt Jemima, we came forward and we agreed to change our entire brand to accommodate. So really, we're supportive. And I don't know what you guys are talking about. And you're crazy. And the gaslighting comes in is when we actually know why you did it. And so then the next term, sis, that you brought into the conversation that I, I use sometime online as well, because I feel like, but when I use it, I, I know that people don't understand what I'm talking about. And I'm trying to like throw a wrench in their plan because they think that they are asking me questions and trying to throw me off my game. So then I say, well, you're just sea lining and block them. And they're like, I know they have to Google what the fuck sea lining is. So I'm going to define it here for you, for you guys. Um, sea lining is a subtle form of trolling involving bad faith questions. You disingenuously frame your conversation as a sincere request to be enlightened, placing the burden of educating you entirely on the other party. If your bait is successful, the other party may engage painstakingly, laying out their logic and evidence in the false hope that you would learn or that someone would learn from what they're sharing. In fact, what you're really trying to do is to harass or waste the time of the already other party because you have no intention of truly entertaining their point of view. Instead, you react to each piece of information by misinterpreting it or requesting further clarification ad nauseum. The name sea lining comes from a Wondermark comic strip, but, and here's it used in a sentence. I spent five minutes asking polite questions C-lining him into hours of writing until he got exasperated and told me to fuck off. And then that's what you end up seeing on the internet, in my opinion. You have people that will say, I care about black trans people. Tell me what you're going through. That's right. And they will ask, they will say things like, I, um, so why, so what does that mean? And why is this this way? And why do you feel like we need to, because a, a great example, I got into a C-lining conversation with um, a woman who was cisgender. And and that meant, and, and, and cis, as we know, means um, uh, uh, you are in alignment with what you were assigned at birth. Um, you know, you, you're, you're, you're comfortable with your native, your natal identity that, that was forced upon you. And you just happen to adjust to that and feel okay with it. So that makes you cisgender. And for those of us that don't necessarily fall into what the doctor says, that makes us trans. Anyway, so this cis woman took the opportunity to come to me and say, why do y'all call me cis? 
And I explained, well, cis is a medical definition. Cis is a way of categorizing. No medical doctor is going to look at two people, a trans woman and a, and, a, and a cis woman, and say, she's a real woman and you're a fake woman. That's not how medically we define things. No one's going to look at someone in a professional or academic setting and say, you a real girl, she a fake woman. She not a woman. No one's going to do that. And so then cis is a way for us to be able to differentiate the different types of women that exists in the ecosystem. And I was trying to explain just what I said to you guys, to her. And she goes, but I'm just trying to figure out why y'all use that word? Because I mean, why not just, why does it have to be a different label? Um, why can't I just be a woman and you be trans? And I'm like, because there's no such thing as just a woman. There are black women, there are Puerto Rican women, there are women from Texas, there are women from South Carolina, there are women from the United States, there are women from Russia. There's all, when we're talking about different categories of people, we usually have a, a way to define them. And cis is the way we define people who are in alignment with their birth genitalia. Now I went through that with her. And she asked me again in another way, the same damn question and the same damn question. And then 30 minutes in, I realized she was C-lining. She was asking these very polite questions in an attempt to try to provoke me to frustration. And in frustration, I would have lashed out to her. At least that's what she was going for because she was like, well, what? Because I know that her intent was to offend me because at the end of it, she said, because I didn't go there. I just kind of stopped responding. At the end of it, she goes, right, exactly. Another man trying to tell me that I'm not a woman. And I knew then that her, her entire purpose of wasting my- Oh, she said that to you, bitch? Yes, ma'am. Online, of course, bitch, not in real life. Girl, but, but, but the thing is, girl, you're so late, girl, because you, you, you weren't real enough to say that you saw me as a man in message number one. Like, you, like you wanted to play this game. She was asking me bad faith question, questions because she was disingenuously framing her conversation as a request to be enlightened. She put the burden on me of educating her. She wasted my time with me painstakingly laying out my logic and giving false hope that she would learn and that I could help her. And at the end of the day, she had already made up her mind that I was a man and I would, that nothing that I said would have made me a woman anyway. So she so already made up a, her mind when she started the, engaging in the line of question with you because her, because again, her, she was never asking in good faith. It was just a, it's a passive aggressive tactic to tire you out and to wear you down and to make, and to make you feel like you're crazy. Because like, ultimately what she wanted to do at the end of that, she really wanted to lead. If I had gotten angry with her, and I was in, she would have said those things and tagged a few friends. And that would have been her C-lining me into a reaction so that then she could show, see how crazy they are? It's just like how white people will bait a white, bait a black person, accuse them of all kinds of things. And if we didn't have camera footage, you would not believe these black people for saying, so then you would have white people well in, thinking that they're meaning well, asking, well, what, 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 what makes you think that that was a racism? Well, how could that have happened? Well, what is this and then the third? When they've already made up in their mind going in that they're not gonna accept anything that you say is truth. They're gonna misinterpret everything that you said. And it's a bad faith questioning because you never intended this conversation to lead anywhere but to what? Samaya's a man. That's what she wanted that conversation to end. 
She had right. no intentions on truly engaging me as a human being. As a matter of fact, she totally denied my experience after I spent time texting her paragraph after paragraph, helping her to explain. And a lot of black people will say, well, why don't y'all just talk to people? Why y'all gotta be so angry? Well, that's why, because when I do, You've already come with your idea and I don't want to feel like I have to convince anyone that I'm a human. So now I don't even answer because of that woman. I have made up in my mind that I'm no longer answering questions that you can Google for your fucking self. Right. And that, yeah, that's, that's what I was just about to say. You're, you're contacting me on the internet because you're clearly on Facebook and it's just this, and people want to say, well, don't yell at us. Educate. No, that like, that's the labor for me as the marginalized person to educate you when people have already done it. You just don't want to do it because it's easier for you to sit in your mental position and to attack me and to make me feel like I'm fucking crazy when I'm not. And you know I'm not. Um, and the perfect example of lining to me is every time that a trans person goes on The Breakfast Club. Because yes, Charlamagne uh, and DJ Envy um, will sit up there and act like every time it's a new trans guest, they act like everything is just brand new to them and they are so brand. And it's like, y'all literally get dragged every time y'all get a trans person onto your show. Like y'all because, get dragged every it, time. Yes, because the way Charlamagne and them ask questions is very much, so you say you're a woman, right? Now, bitch, what the fuck kind of answer could I give to that other than to explain something that I've already explained that you Googled about me before I walked up here. And so then for you to then ask me, so it bothers you when people call you trans. It be, no, it bothers you when people call you, say that you're not a woman. Like, like these questions are questions that you know on the onset are gonna be inflammatory. You're asking in a polite way. You're inviting these people up to your, up to your show, giving them water, making them feel like you're going to actually hear what they have to say when the purpose is to sensationalize and get good radio for your listeners so that they can say that they had their shade represented by a face that they love and respect. Because right. at the end of the day, these people are asking these questions in bad faith because they really don't intend to really get to know this community because outside of these interviews, they talk shit about us like they didn't just get educated. Right, and it's always, well, we, I mean, we don't, you can't get mad at us because we don't know what pronouns to use. And what, Google like, the motherfucking pronouns. Like, you can't, it was you on can't my Facebook page. Like, they literally do that every time a trans person comes up. Like, well, you can't get mad at us because we are new and we don't know. And, what, we don't, and then, the, what should we call you? Bitch, I'll knock you on your motherfucking face. Right. Oh, so if you, if you could just like you can research anybody else that come the fuck up here when I introduce myself to you as Ashley or Samaya or Brianna or any other human being, Nala, when I introduced my motherfucking self to you and I said, my name is Samaya and as a woman, I feel this way. And you decide, and you could have Googled me, you could have done any of those things in advance. But when I even introduced myself to you, then you wait till we get on the camera to go, well, what are your pronouns? I won't be disrespectful. You know, what are your, you know, you're being fucking disrespectful because you see what they are. I've communicated it. And if nothing else, if you're really calling yourself a journalist, if you're really calling yourself having a, a, a show, that is supposed to engage in informed conversation. If you can write those eloquent ass donkeys of the days where you've researched ad nauseum people's mistakes and, and for your own listeners to laugh at them, then you can Google someone who's trans this information before they get there so that you don't make them feel crazy by asking them stupid ass questions that are basic trans one-on-one. Right, so it's just- Gaslighting. That and sea lining. Right, and, it just, and 
those are the type of things like you know you know we speak to it on a um, systemic and institutional level with like Aunt Jemima and these corporate organizations that are on the surface making good faith efforts but really it's the underlying motive and it or is them trying to really suppress real progress and change and real um atonement for their actions but like these type of things and these type of microaggressions are the things that contribute to the mental health struggles that we have as black people as black and queer people because we are constantly in a position where we feel like we have to explain ourselves we have to defend ourselves nobody takes us seriously and a lot of that shit we end up internalizing and it makes you go crazy because it's just like you know i know i know i experienced what i experienced why is nobody taking me seriously and why is what I'm saying often, it comes off like I'm speaking a foreign language. Right. Like no one can even relate to my oppression. Like there's no minority that can't say they can't relate. So why is it that I'm having to go out of my way to explain what I know is a common experience for anyone who's in a white man in society? And why am I trying to explain similarities that you can relate to if you had a fucking empathy period piece in your heart? If you had an empathy chip, you would know what I'm going through because as a woman, as a minority of any kind, as, a, as an immigrant, as any other minority, any other group, you know what it is to live in a world where you're being told you're not enough, you're not acceptable, and your feelings and emotions aren't valid. Whether it be an ethnic minority in some of these Arabic countries and some in India now, Muslims are being oppressed. Like people know what it is to be oppressed. But what's fucked up is, is we, like I, we talked about previously, in our effort in the oppression Olympics to not come out at the bottom, we pretend like we don't understand the plights and the things that other people of other groups are going through. So for you to be Muslim and to not be able to relate to black people, for that Asian man to stand there next to that police officer with his knee on George Floyd's neck, for, uh, for black people to stand around and watch someone being attacked in their own community and not say nothing, like the girl that was attacked at the gas station by, at the hands of all those people, all of that is ind indicating that there is a bad faith effort to have empathy for people that are different. And you're no better than white supremacists if you can't see that you have to empathize with everyone, that all of us are human, that everyone has a right to exist unencumbered and free in this world without being affected negatively by the people that say they are around them. If you can't grasp that, then you're just as bad as a white supremacist, in my opinion. Right. Right. And it's just you it's just at some point for me it it's liberating when somebody that has gassed with me and done me wrong like y'all gonna have to cop up to the shit that you did this whole oh we're black lives matter now so um we all good right it's like no bitch you actually need to recount and i i want to hear about what you did I want to hear about how you made somebody feel. I want to hear about the racist and phobic things that you did. You just don't get off the hook because it's hashtag Black Lives Matter or hashtag Black Trump. No, you need to talk about all of the fucked up shit. That, like, that's true atonement. That's true atonement going going down to the point yeah and don't and don't just talk about it in third person like you didn't participate 
or you didn't benefit from the shit that you did. I hate when people do that, where it's like, well, yeah, those white people or or even with trans amorous men, it's like, well, those trans attracted men did that, but I didn't do this and I'm here right now. And I'm and I don't changed. know why you're upset about those people when I'm well, because what we do, and, and then it goes back to well, if you say that you're trans amorous and you say that you love us and you're considering us for a relationship, how do you react when a trans woman dies? And what do you do to let people know in your circle that that's not okay? And if the answer is nothing, then yeah, you're fucking gaslighting me when you're saying I'm crazy for making it seem like you're part of the problem. Because right. if you're not willing to stand and actually say, that's not fucking okay, bro, don't talk about them like that. If you're not willing to go and take advantage and use your platform online where you putting up pussy memes and who gonna let me get it memes and, you know, you know, putting up all these, all these other humorous things. If you can't share now, if you say you love us and you love the girls and you haven't shared not one information about a black trans murder and you don't talk about it at all in your life, then you're a fucking problem. And that's just being real. And like that's me holding my allies accountable. Because if you say you're an ally, then that means that you need to be fully invested in what we're talking about. Otherwise, you are lying to me. You're emotionally manipulating me. And that may not even be necessarily based on uh, a, a desire to see me fail, but it is a desire for you not to be accountable. Right. It is a desire for you to try to deflect the energy away from from what I'm saying and make me feel like what I'm saying is too much for you or it's overwhelming and you don't want to talk about it. Well, who the fuck can I talk about it with if I can't talk about it with my family? I can't talk about it with my church. I can't talk about it in community and I can't even talk about it with my intimate partners. Right. And I'm just at this point, I'm just not willing to believe that you are where you are and you didn't benefit or you didn't play a part in the systems of uh, bigotry that are pervasive throughout our culture. Just like it would be wrong if I stayed up here and act like I was woke and I was pro-trans. No, bitch, for a long time, bitch, I was anti-trans. And I, and I did a lot of shit that was anti-trans um, to myself, feeling like I had to live up to a certain aesthetic, not um, socializing or associating with um, girls that I didn't feel were quote-unquote passable or didn't look us Like, so we all play a part, you know, in the system. But if you want to get real and if you want to build, bring change, you need to talk about how these systems impacted you and how they affected you and not, not acting like you're just this third party that just came to some awareness, but you didn't go through any fires. You didn't go through any trials or tribulations because you just don't get enlightened not going through nothing or not having to divorce yourself from the system. I just don't believe it. Or you don't, you just don't wake up and not perpetrate those isms in some type of way because that that's the that's the that's the effect of living in the world and living in the society that we live in and navigating um, these systems where we're told this is right and this is what you need to do, but then one day having to question and having to unlearn all of that. So I just, I just feel like it's just, it's so just disingenuous when it's just like, well, not me. Like I didn't do it. Like I, it's like, bitch, you did do it. We we all have done it, and we are all unlearning. But to just sit there and just act like racism and transphobia and homophobia are just those things over there and that you don't perpetrate it or you don't and that you actively have to like 
I'm even though I'm awakened, it's it's the little stuff that I actively have to unlearn so I can stop hating myself. And it's a, it's an everyday it's an everyday um, practice. It's an everyday skill where I I purposely have to write affirmations. I purposely have to put images around me that actually reflect me because it's just so ingrained in who we are as a people. So if you want to be an ally, like you really want to be an ally, but you you have to have a story for me. You have to have a story. It's just, it's, it's not, it's just not good enough for, because what happens when we don't do it, when the whole rah-rah everything settles down, we go, it's easy to go back to bad habits and we just end up perpetuating the same cycle over and over and over again yes. and we and we oppress we find new covert ways to oppress people and new covert ways to perpetuate all of the isms and phobias that um, are prevalent uh, are based on what our country is built on agreed agreed a thousand percent um another i um, a really good example of it is so anna wintour is retiring from vogue that bitch that part and in her retirement essay that you, you guys can Google online, she went on and on and on and on about how Vogue has not done enough, that Vogue is this and Vogue is that, Vogue but, is this. We're, sis, you were literally the editor of Vogue, she, she was the woman in charge. And then she goes on to say, I'm announcing my retirement, but I know that we're going to do better. But what you essentially just said to us, Anna, is they, I'm not here anymore, so you niggas can get through now. And for my retirement party, I would love it if y'all cannot bring up my racism, because I'm sorry. We were wrong. We, as a collective, were wrong. And we, as a collective, would do something to fix it. But let's talk about the gaslighting she did for years when people of color would point out that the, the, the racism inherent in their images and the way they do advertising and the way they present things, the way that, the thing, the way that they defined beauty in our society, they have single-handedly really made a whole generation of black women feel like their beauty is not appreciated and that their beauty is inferior to whiteness because of the imagery that they put in their magazine. And then by calling themselves Vogue and being the, the, the leader in that fashion industry and then for, for you for all of those years for you to make it seem like black people are crazy we're doing the best we can and giving us the occasional cover and giving us uh, the occasional ad inside but majority of what you promote is white supremacy and then after all those years of black people talk calling it out you do us the slap in the face of saying y'all was right y'all ain't lying but I'm not going to be here to be a part of this change, baby. So good luck with that. I'm going to call out the company that I'm leaving for not doing enough because that's just what I want to do. And I'm going to continue on with my life because I never did nothing like that for you niggas. Like, my, you can have black friends. And that's what white people need to know. You can have black friends. You can have black associates. Andre Leon Talley can be your best girl, bitch. You can have everybody in the world around you that are telling you that everything's okay. But if you set up a system that makes it easier for one group of person to get covers, to get ads, to be, to be photographers, to do things in your magazine, and you ignore the entire world of black beauty, and you don't include any of those black brands that are trying to promote their products and your advertising, that you only use these white black models when you want to have them on white companies. Like, when you have actively, systemically disenfranchised a group of people, 
and you go out of your way now to say, oh, we're going to do better because everything we did in the past is a wash. Well, your apology doesn't wash all that. And you gaslit me for years to make me think I was crazy, only for you now to say that I'm right. And I want to say that that's what the spirit of this topic today was, was calling the bullshit out. So I need you to do more than just have Anna Wintour on her retirement day say, y'all sorry. What I would love is for y'all to actually restructure your company and make it an imperative that there be equal representation. Now that to me would be change. Yeah, but but even it, it literally costs people nothing to be fair. Like it literally would have, like you, she would have lost, Maybe she might have ruffled some feathers. She would have lost Tyler. Right. But it would have cost you nothing to do the right thing. But it, it just shows how people are so invested in maintaining the status quo. It literally cost you nothing to have to reflect on how fucked up something is and actually taking the steps to change it exactly. and to make it more. But pe- But people aren't really invested in doing it. Which is why, which is why all of these broken systems are able to perpetuate themselves and survive in a in a world that supports patriarchy, racism, and everything else. But it literally caught. It would have cost Anna Wintour nothing over her um what thirty plus year tenure at Vogue. I think it's like thirty five years. Yeah, to incorporate more black and brown and Asian. Uh, models or people in power or um, photographer, like it literally would have cost nothing. But people are so invested in maintaining the status quo, and then like giving this statement, "Oh yeah, this uh, bump, this up, Black Lives Matter." I feel the same way too. And then acting like you aren't the most powerful person in the fashion world, and you could have, like, you couldn't have done anything to change that. I, I don't believe that. Mm-hmm. So fuck I, you, fuck you, Anna once war. I be, I believe I believe every single word from Andre Leon Taylor. I, I I just I just believe it, and I'm not to to me I'm not impressed. I'm not. Impressed well, what did Andre Leon Talley say? Because I know that they were friends at one point, but I guess they well, they're, like, I, they're falling out now. But he she, he said that she's racist. She's and it's been so, and basically she would um pick him up and, like he was he was very much an accessory to her. Like she never really cared about him. She doesn't. She, you got to get into. He has a documentary on Hulu, um, called The Gospel. Well, he doesn't really talk about her in the documentary. It's more so he had a book that recently came out. But yeah, um, he talked about all the people he was having in Hollywood and stuff. Right, but um, yeah, watch The Gospel according to Andre Leon Talley. But they, but them people, them people in Vogue really didn't uh, fuck with Andre Leon Talley. Cause he he detailed like a lot of the racist shit that he had to go through while he was at Vogue, and he thought because he was the exceptional black that it really didn't mean anything. But now, at seventy something years old, he realizing that you know he endured way more than he should have in his career. Um, and so he- it says Tally and Wintour fell out in 2018 after he discovered he was no longer doing the red carpet interviews at the annual Met Gala or those for Vogue's fashion. Um, podcast he's replaced by lisa kashi a young youtube star and of course white person mm-hmm. um and i just want to put into the space like 
so yes, I'm glad that Andre Leon Talley was able to tell his truth. And I can't imagine how many people like him have had to be the best girlfriend, be the Judy, be the single, the the token black person at their job or their or their, you know, or in their town, just simply because of they're not either being other people around you or whatever. But what I find very interesting to this is like you what you said about the concept of being exceptional. So what will people will tell you, um, and I've been told this is, oh, you're not like the rest of them. And this is from, and this is not even necessarily always from black people. I've had transamorous men. I've had people that call themselves trans community supportive that will look me in the face and say, how can we get more people like you? How can we get, you try to make me feel exceptional. And if I bought into that, I would believe that I'm somehow better than somebody because then the notion is, is you are something that I haven't seen or that doesn't exist in nature outside of you. And I want to honor you for that. So will you take this job? Will you do this? Will you do that? And then in return, help me maintain your exceptionalness by dragging you out every time I need to show that I'm not reaching these people. And what's interesting is, is at the end of it all, Anna, his good, good girlfriend of many, many years, darling, let him know that he was just a face and a black employee. And as soon as she needed to update her brand or shift, she would unceremoniously denounce all of the years that he helped build that fucking company on. And a lot of it, when you, a lot of it that I know about from what I know of him and from what I've, I've read. And I think I might've even seen this documentary we're talking about a little while back, but from what I know of him, he built a lot of it on his back. A lot of his own fashion instinct was used to help craft that brand. And you know what that white woman did? She went and did exactly what we know to happen. She let she reminded him that he was not exceptional. And at the end of the day, as long as you buy into the narrative, the idea that there's something about me that is lightning in a bottle, and I'm not saying you can't have high health esteem. I'm not high self esteem. I'm not saying you can't see yourself as something that is unique. But when you think that your uniqueness makes you better than other people or that it puts you in some elite class and when it gives you access into to, to rooms that other people aren't allowed in and you feel good about it and you're not encouraging other people to be let in, then you can only hope that at the, you can only expect that at the end of it all, you're going to be treated like those rest of those people they wouldn't let in the room. Because I really don't want you here, but I have to have one. Yeah, fuck that bitch. Fuck her and her Bob And shout out to Andre Lee and Tally because I want you to I want you to know I'm not even saying that from a place of judgment towards him. I'm saying that we've all been there, brother. We yeah, have and, and also let's add this lens to it. Why a lot of our black LGBT folks um feel safe in the arms of whiteness because Ooh, say that thing. <laughs> we are ostracized by um black folks because we we cast out. They don't want us. Like think about. Think about, like, Marsha P. Johnson may have been alive if she was, if she would have been able to thrive in Black um, civil rights spaces. Mm-hmm. If they just didn't, if she just only wasn't relegated to the If she was LGBT. honored for the legend she was and the trailblazer she was and right. actually invited to the table in the, in the full Black rights movement, and, and if her rights mattered as much as everybody else's, she wouldn't have died from, her, from, the, stand, from the qualities of living that made it hard for her. Right. 
So, like, you know, let's also be mindful of that. And it's so easy for Black LGBT people to be caught up in the arms of whiteness. But like you said, and like his life has shown, bitch, at the end of the day, you know my, my phrase, you either pay on the front end or you pay on the back end. But, bitch, at some point, you're going to pay. You're going to pay. bitch, now in her 70s, she's gagging. Cause she thought she was that girl, and Anna let her know, bitch. You might not, you might be that girl, but you're not a white girl, bitch. So well, that's who I would prefer. Do all of this, right? So it's just, it's just a shame. But like I, like I never, like again, it will literally cost. Even going back to the Aunt Jemima thing, Quaker Oats could still pay them, pay Jemima's family all of the money that they owe her family and then some from basically um, profiting off of her and stealing her intellectual property and still be able to thrive as a company because niggas are still buying pancake mix and syrup and oatmeals and grits. Like, y'all will still be able to run as a company and pay, but, pe- but people only want to do the performative stuff and they don't really want to do the real shit to redistribute wealth and to atone for all of the fucked up racist shit that they did. Like, it literally will cost you nothing. It will be of no consequence for you to do right by not only Jemima, all of the Black people that have had their ideas stolen, had their intellectual property stolen. Like, it will literally cost people nothing to pay the Black people back or invite the Black, um, invite the descendants of the Black people to the table so that they can then reap the benefits of the, um, what their ancestors did. Mm-hmm. But until these companies do that, we're not going to be, we're not going to be no better. And also, I'm going to keep reminding folks of this, capitalism is not going to save us in the end. These corporate companies are not social justice movements. At the end of the day, they are interested in their bottom line and they're interested in exploiting folks so they can make the most money so they can pay their shareholders and you know, the, the decision makers at the company. So these, so these corporate companies that are, oh, uh, black, black pride, um, pride, LGBT rainbow flags and Pride was started by black trans women. Now, now was now was trendy to say that shit. Now, black, um, pride was really started by black a uh, black trans woman who threw the first brick or hashtag Black Lives Matters. Even though that it's cute on the surface, this all of that shit is not going to liberate us because corp because corporate um corporate companies are not interested in social justice. They're just not because if we get what we want a lot of these companies will not be able to continue to exploit the people that work in these companies and they will not be able to continue to exploit consumers. Mm-hmm. So let's so let's be really clear. Yes. I, I agree. I agree. We have to get to that place where we have to be clear and concise about what is fucking up with us because people will try to parse our words and pretend like what we're saying isn't true or they'll make us explain what we're saying over and over again with no real intent on trying to guess understanding. So yes, and I feel like this podcast really addressed that. Um, sis, um, so I'm just doing a time check. Did you want to... Um, so before we close out, I wanted to... Um, just um sis did you have anything you wanted to add or anything you wanted to say um no uh, the only thing i have to add is y'all need to pay y'all need to cut the check 
Work. Need to, and all y'all companies need to cut the motherfucking check. Y'all have literally made billions off of exploiting us. And it's time to cut the fucking check. Also, Washington Redskins, y'all Ben should have changed the name of y'all Are team. Are they trying to change it now? No. They're not trying to change it. And they're wondering why they don't never win shit. Change the name of the... The name is fucking racist. Redskins is racist. Using the logo of indigenous people is racist. And why means, would you ever white make a people t- go and ask, well, why is this racist? You're fucking sea lining because it's a fucking man. Of, it's a, it, it would be like having having a, a skin called a, 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 um, a team called the black skins and having a black person's face. It would be like having a team called the Mexicans and having a Hispanic person's face. It is not fucking okay. Right. And y'all need to change. And oh, it would cost so much money. So what? Pay the money. Pay the Pay money to change the- it. Yes. Y'all got y'all got all these tax breaks paid. Like, stop playing in our faces. The shit is racist. The Indians are all change the name. It's not right. It's not, and it shouldn't have to take niggas dying in the street for y'all to do the right thing. And then literally, what in the long run would cost y'all nothing to do the right thing, but y'all y'all would rather perpetuate um, these systems that make fun of and make light of people and their culture and their features. Change the fucking name. And if you are a black person and or um, and any other person of color, and you are upset by um um the the black face, and you're upset by um what Gucci did and Aunt Jemima and Uncle Ben, if all of those things upset you, and Redskins doesn't, then you're a fucking hypocrite, right. and you're uh, also a part of the problem, bitch. And there's so many niggas that are Redskins, girl. hardcore Redskins fans, and it's just like, girl. Girls, like really, and also white face is not the same as black face. I'm tired of black people trying to say, "Well, well, what about white chicks when they did?" It's not the same because the white face is not um, rooted in a history of racism. Racism, and and and, and and those stereotypes have done nothing to minimize the success of white women. Right, and like it's even- not, and it's not like black men were. We're we're, pers- we're purposely given roles over white women for decades, so uh-huh. black men could perform in white. It's like stop being obtuse, y'all. Y'all are per- y'all are going out of y'all way to be obtuse, trying to equate the two when it's not the same. Exactly. Exactly. It's not the same. It's not the same. White people were literally given roles over black people to perform in blackface, while black people were only relegated to playing butlers, maids, and criminals. Like, stop. Why do y'all not know the history of shit? But, and yeah. I'm saying that in response to um, what Jimmy Kimmel or one of these late night people is now coming under fire for going in blackface. Black, I don't care. And people are trying to say, well, it was 1999 and we wasn't as sensitive about race. Bitch, we was always sensitive about blackface. What are, what are y'all talking about? Exactly. We were what are y'all talking about? Y'all acting like blackface is just this new phenomenon. And no. We've, we've never liked blackface. Won't they try to make it seem like that one, this shit just came up yesterday? Right. Like, wait, like, girl, y'all girls, know your history. Before you get on these shows, know your history. Blackface is rooted in racism. It's rooted in black oppression. It's rooted in white supremacy. Whiteface has never been rooted in none of that. 
because at the end of the day, and I think maybe this is another way to look at it, because at the end of the day, the people performing the act, when they took, when Sean and Marlon Wayans took off that makeup, they were still at risk of being slammed to the fucking ground or having some white person, some white woman even accusing them of rape. And even if it was not true, they will be assumed guilty and they will be treated like fucking animals. And so the reality of it is, is what we know is, is like with everything else, the power dynamic matters. So when you have people that are in a power position where they actually control whether or not your motherfucking ass can live and go home safely or not. And they're choosing to make fun of you in roles that they would never give you in situations that they would never give you. And if you do work with them, they're going to make significantly more than you. Um, and, and you know what I'm saying? And so then if you're in a situation where the stacks, the cards are stacked, the chips are stacked in this other person's favor and they're making fun of you and you don't even have the vehicle to get back at them the way they can get at you. That's what blackface was. And I feel like when we see other races doing it now, I'm not a big fan of race play period. And I'm, right. I'm not that girl. So I'm not sitting here saying that I think whiteface is just completely okay, but you're not going to make it seem like that. Whiteface, a movie that was funded by white people, like may have they may have been, it may have been black people in it, but the produce the production companies, the people that really put their money that allowed it to go into theaters, that mass marketed and produced it, were white people. So it was white people having the power and privilege to co-sign something that they found funny. Black people don't have that same access, and that's why blackface is the problem. Yeah, so that that that's my that's my last note. That's all that's all I have to say. Yes, and I just would like to say that thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Black Grown Trans Woman Talk, box number 512 podcast. We would love it if you could take the information that you have today, share it with a friend, share it in your communities, because ultimately real allyship means you, when no one is around, when you don't, are not in the presence of trans people, that you are able to, to, to speak up for them when they can't speak for themselves. Also, we would love it if you guys could tune Tune in to box number 512 after show, which airs every Friday, um, at, you know, every Friday after the podcast. And it's where you get an opportunity to have an interactive conversation with Aeon and the Lioness. And we have a beautiful new software that we're using now that will allow you to be able to really, truly to tune in so this friday be prepared be ready and we would love to see you and last but finally not least we are a growing small black business and we are people that have that are dedicating our time our energy and our resources into giving you something the best that we can with what we have but on our anchor page, which is where our our podcast is housed. Now it's distributed on many platforms. Any platforms podcasts are available, but it's housed on Anchor. And we would love it if you could go to our anchor page and not just like and subscribe, but also if you have it in your heart to donate some funds. And it could be it's, it could be whatever you feel on your heart. But we are a company that would love to grow, and we are not getting any money right now from that that, that to help us do this we're doing this on our own so if you want to support back business if you want to put your money where your mouth is and not gaslight a situation or sea lining by acting like you don't know what's going on then you can participate by supporting us and donating on our anchor page we thank you for listening today we thank you for being present and we would love to see you again thank you guys bye bye thank you for listening to box number 512 
And don't forget to subscribe and like all of our pages on social media. And don't forget to subscribe so you can see what we'll stock on the shelf next week. Bye.